You are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. So this morning I'm speaking on erotic in the church. Pray for me. There was an article that was written from Relevant Magazine, which really birthed this whole series on the elephant in the room. And here's just a little snip from that article. I knew there wouldn't be a second date the moment the guy said to me, how do you feel about strip clubs? Not for him, I said. Okay, what about pornography? Are you kidding? In the conversation that followed, I rebutted his defense for both. He, a Christian, was a consumer of erotic media, convinced that using it can be good. It can be beneficial. He is the only Christian that I've met who has defended pornography, but he's not the only Christian who defends other kinds of erotic media. When a best-selling erotic novel and a movie about male strippers simultaneously sweep the female half of the U.S. in the recent weeks, Christian women speak up. Some criticize the book because it promotes lust. Some criticize the movie because it promotes the the objectification of men, with others Christians there and criticize the critics. There seems to be a fear that is sweeping through the body of Christ. Each one of us have our own opinions and our own convictions. And when your convictions lines up with the Word of God, there is often a hesitation to be able to share it, perhaps because if we do share it, we're going to be labeled as someone who is judgmental. Maybe someone who is narrow-minded. Perhaps even we may be deemed as a hate monger. Is this a true statement? See, the world is getting farther and farther away from our godly heritage. If that is true statement, then it only makes sense to think that our morals and the mindsets of the people are also getting farther farther away from what God wants. And as that happens, the church adapts, uh, the church adapts to it because who wants to bring forth persecution? See, Nish was talking about the church being persecuted where they had to shut down the church and they went to the police station and even the police sided with the Buddhists. In our mind, it doesn't make sense, but yet in our culture, there's certain things that, 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 like I said, there's certain things that are even getting into the church where if you make a statement, people are like, you know what, I don't agree with what you're saying, and and, and it causes anger to rise up and it causes causes us to, 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 to judge and to criticize. So while we're either trying to develop it in our own at a system at home, we don't want to mix family with the world and we embrace conformity, perhaps not liking what is said, but doing nothing about it to challenge it. And as that happens, that plumb line in our heart, in the, uh, that plumb line just starts to move and move and move where it's just kind of like, Lord, would you bring me back to center? God, I want what you want from my life. God lays out for us some pretty specific things in the, in the Scriptures. In this article, this author shows how Christian groups are coming alongside movies like Magic Mike and books like Fifty Shades of Grey and saying, come on, saints, don't be so religious. It's just a book. It's a fantasy. It's not real. They come up with statistics that show that movies and books will enhance your marriage, your love life, throw in that little spark if the, uh, for those marriages where the spark perhaps has diminished. But this morning I'm here to say, if your marriage is failing and that love spark is dwindled, there's no amount of erotic media that is going to help you in your marriage. God will help your marriage. 
That, you know what, that, that sense of honor where it's just kind of like, you know what, honey, I as a husband am supposed to love you like Christ loved the church. My life is to surrender to you and say, may, may, I, may I put your, your thoughts, may, may, I, may I serve you. And she does the same thing with me. And you walk in that place that is just so amazing. Three points for us this morning that we really need to watch out for in our lives. Number one is the gospel has never been a choose-your-own-adventure. Cindy and I watched a movie. How many people watched that movie, The Life of Pi? Have you seen that movie? Let me see your, see your hands. A few of you in this room. Not very many. Here's a quote that I really liked from that movie. The dad says to, to the son, his, his name is uh, Pasin. He says, you cannot follow three different religions at the same time, Pasin. And Pi says, Why not? It says, because believing in everything at the same time is the same as not believing in anything at all. Listen, instead of leaping from one religion to the next, why not start with reason? In a few hundred years, science has taken us further in understanding the universe than religion has ever in 10,000 years. Mum says, science can teach us more about what is out there, but not about what is in our hearts. The dad then says, well, I would rather have, have you believe in something. I don't agree with that you accept everything blindly. And that begins with thinking rationally. Do you understand, Pi? And Pi looks at his dad and says, yes, I understand. I think I want to be baptized. And it's just such a funny thing because he's, he's, he's wrestling with, with Buddhism and he's wrestling with Christianity and he's wrestling with, with being a Muslim. And, and it's kind of like, do you understand? You can't stand for all three things. Do you, do you understand that? He goes, yes, I understand it. I want to be baptized. He just didn't get it. Joshua 24.15 says, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose you today who you will serve. Would you prefer the God your ancestors served before the, beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites whose land you live in now? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. See, the world is going to tell you to compromise, to bend. But the truth of the matter is the Bible is more black and white than it was ever gray. I remember the last time Joanne Goodwin came in and, and spoke. She shared a little illustration. And she was talking about, uh, she's talking about Ellen. And she says, I love watching Ellen. She says, Ellen makes me laugh. She's the funniest person I know. And she says, she's so witty. She's so smart. She's so funny. And she is just oh so cute. She says, but hear me. She is very, very dangerous. Because she's come out uh, as a lesbian. And as she said that she's a lesbian, she makes that lifestyle look very appealing. See, when she said that, I found out later that there was a couple in the church that left the church because all of a sudden they said, you know what, that church is bashing homosexuality. And I'm like, Where, where's the bash in that? We have to be very careful with what we say and what, where, where we stand. The truth of the matter is, is homosexuality is an elephant on its own because if you say it's wrong, then you are speaking out against people who were born like that. A friend of mine states that that is a ridiculous statement. For he was born a virgin, and when he got married, he made a decision to have sex. He was with, it was with that choice that he no longer was a virgin, and he chose that lifestyle of a heterosexual male. See, just because homosexuality does not mean that we cannot love the person or pray for the person, but yet homosexuality is a sin. And like other sins, it needs to be dealt with in the only way possible.
It needs to be laid at the cross and forsaken. Homosexuality is a, is a special practice, is not a special practice that is exempt from God's righteousness or judgment simply because they claim they're born that way or just want to be free to love or just say that it's normal. People who are born with a tendency to lie, does that make lying okay? People who want to love each other, but since when is love the determining factor of what is right and wrong? Opinion has no place to dictate scriptures we like and the ones that we don't like, for the Word of God needs to be our foundation, church. Now, we have to be very careful, too, because we could be on the other side. Man, face it, we're in redneck Alberta. And that pendulum could be so far on the other side where it's kind of like, you know what? That's absolutely right, Pastor. You preach it. We hate homosexuals. And if you're getting that from this, you're absolutely wrong. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying we need to look at it as a sin, but we need to love the person and not ostracize them or not come against them because they're walking in sin. Because if we do that, then all of a sudden, that makes the church so ugly. And that's not what the bride of Christ is. Look at the life of Jesus. Jesus came alongside of Mary Magdalene. She came, he came alongside. He hung out with the, with the guys like Zacchaeus. Sinners. People who the world was like, we want nothing to do with them. And as it is getting into the church, it's kind of like, you know what? Homosexuality is getting more and more. And the fact there's certain religions that embrace it and, and will allow their ministers to become ordained ministers as, as, as a per- professing homosexual. It's, it, it's just it's mind-boggling. My friend, we have to walk in that place. And you know what? That family that left, they had a, a, a family member who was a homosexual, and that's where the issue was. You know what? I have a family member who's a homosexual. And as I have that family member who's a homosexual, you know what? I love them. And I don't, would I be, in, would I be afraid to bring them out here and, and, and meet you guys? Absolutely not. My role as a Christian is to pray for them. Is to say, you know what? I'm not judging you, but what you're doing is wrong. And let me love you into the kingdom of God. The Word needs to be our foundation. And when this whole homosexuality thing is getting adopted into the church, I'm wondering if we're throwing away Scriptures because, again, I didn't write this. God wrote this. Leviticus 18.22 says, Do not practice homosexuality. Having sex with another man as is with a woman, it is a detestable sin. Leviticus 20.13 says, If a man practices homosexuality, having sex with another man as with a woman, both men have committed a detestable act. They must both be put to death for, their, for, the, uh, for the guilt of that capital offense. Well, you know what, Pastor? Like, that's, that's Old Testament. No, we're not, we're not under the law anymore. Okay. 1 Corinthians, I believe that's in the New Testament. It says, do you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? <sighs> Let's just stop there. That's a powerful statement. Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin, who worship idols, commit adultery, are male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality or thieves, or greedy people, drunkards, or abusive, or cheap people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. I love that scripture. 
Because that scripture shows that there's no levels of sin. And I think that, again, is an elephant in the room. You know what? If I came out and, and we we're going to have a testimony service, and you know what? I, I seen this when I was in... Um, I was in Edmonton. We had this 80-year-old saint of God, just an amazing man of God. And he comes up. He says, Pastor Lance, I would like to share something this morning. And I'm like, absolutely, Art. I just love this guy. And he grabs the microphone. And he stands before people. And he says, I have to ask your forgiveness. And everybody's ears just, oh, really? Like, Art? Saint Art? What, what, what in the world have you possibly done? Like, did you, did you go one kilometer under the speed limit so you didn't hit the, like, the, like, what's going on here? And he says, I have not loved my wife the way I need to love her. See, my wife is an amazing woman, and, and I have come to this understanding where my love for her has not been what it needs to be, and I ask her forgiveness, and I ask your forgiveness as modeling marriages before everybody. And once he said that, Person after person just came up grabbing microphones, publicly repenting of things. But see, if I was to come up the front right now and grab a microphone and say, you know what, I just want to ask your forgiveness, I just find that uh, lying is a struggle with, with me, and, and, and I, I find that I, I lie sometimes, and I want to ask your forgiveness. I imagine most people here would be like, you know what, we forgive you. But what if I was to grab the microphone and say, you know what, I just want to ask your forgiveness, you know what? I was a homosexual for years. All of a sudden, it's like, whoa! A sin is a sin is a sin. And we're not to judge the person on the sin, but we're to love the person at the foundation and say, God, you've got better for their life. You've got more for their life, God. But in saying that, the way that our culture and the world is going, we're not to embrace it and say, you know what, absolutely welcome. This is okay. You know what, the Bible, who cares about these scriptures? It's, you know what, God loves you and you can do whatever you want and still be able to get into heaven. No! Romans 1, 26-28. That is why God abandoned them, their sinful desires. Even the women turned against the natural ways to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the man, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for one another. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty that they deserved. Since they, they thought it's foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that they should never have been done. You see, my friends, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a choose-your-own-adventure where we take the scriptures that we like and we throw away the other scriptures because the whole book is the authority, is our authority, is the Word of God. Number two, garbage in, garbage out. If you're a computer guy, you know exactly what that means. See, one of men's biggest struggles is pornography. And the reason being is men are visual creatures. There's a terrible bondage that happens when getting involved in pornography. In fact, it's a cycle that will never be broken through willpower but it needs to be broken through Jesus Christ. Remember in marriage, a team, that your, your team, when this happens, like, guys, I don't know, in this room, I don't know how many guys are in this room right now, but the truth of the matter is, is there's guys in this room right now who are struggling with pornography. And as that happens, and as a wife, if you find out that that happens, what is your role? You see, because what happens is that's when the enemy really starts to work. 
Because if all of a sudden you, you're, you're in the quiet of your house by yourself and, and you go onto a computer and you type in whatever website and you get locked into this, this, this realm of pornography and then boom, you don't hear your wife come home and she walks in and she sees you on the computer looking at pornography. See, immediately what the enemy says to the wife is, see, you're not good enough for him. You see, you are, he's not attractive to you anymore. You see, you can't satisfy him, so he's turning to something else. And what does that produce? It produces shame. And shame is heaped upon the wife. And then the guy, what do you think he's feeling because he's been caught? He's been fe- he feels shame because he's been caught. But even if he hasn't been caught, what happens after that? he goes through that place of the internet? Guilt. John 3.17 says there's no guilt nor condemnation through Christ Jesus. And if there's no guilt or condemnation through Christ Jesus, then where does that guilt come from? And what happens is we try to break that, that power of pornography through willpower. And how does that work? It may, la- it may be good for a week. It may be good for a month. But all of a sudden you have that shortcoming. And then boom, you find yourself back in there. And then it's a vicious cycle because what happens is then we pray, Lord, if, if you forgive me, Lord, Lord, I did it again. If you forgive me, God, I promise you, I'll never do it again. And then, boom, we do it again, and we're like, oh my goodness, I just lied to God. I just made a vow with the Lord. And it's that cycle that just takes us lower and lower and lower. My friends, the cross of Jesus Christ is big enough to break that spirit of pornography. See, I have spoke freely in this church. Pornography was a, something that I wrestled with. And as I wrestled with that, and, and I was married, and as I, as I got married with my wife, uh, we, we walked in that place, and she, this, this was, that ballet that I was just telling you about was our life. Until all of a sudden, one day, Cindy got to this place where she's like, honey, instead of condemning you, instead of feeling shame and doing all this kind of stuff, Let's partner together and pray about this. And all of a sudden, she wasn't somebody who I had to hide from, but she was somebody who was coming alongside of me. And when she did that, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, you know what? The Lord revealed certain roots. And I tell you, every time that I've dealt with somebody in roots, it's always something that happened when a boy is just starting to become uh, an adolescent where he's starting to understand that sexual things and the devil goes in there and perverts it through pornography. And there's there was different things like that in my life that happened where the Lord brought that back and I shared that with Cindy and we prayed and I repented or I said, Lord, I forgive this person for doing that or Lord, I forgive this person for giving me that and all of a sudden, boom, it broke. And when it broke, there's not a desire anymore to be able to go there. Then it's not a willpower thing, it's a God thing where it's kind of like, Lord, who the Son set free is free indeed. Husbands, wives, don't fight about it. That's what the devil wants you to do. Partner. Do you think your husband enjoys being in bondage? He doesn't. He hates it. He hates it about himself. And when all of a sudden you come alongside and say, you know what, together we're going to get through this. We said in our vows, for better, for worse, this is a bad time, but we're going to do it. And then you partner together and boom, by the Spirit of God, it's broken. 
And then there's that sense of, I'm free. Lord, you set me free where there's no desire to go there anymore. It's amazing. Working together through prayer, fasting, and the renewing of our minds. Do you know how important our mind is? See, the Lord, uh, the Lord has given us this, this mind to be able to say, God, I need to renew this daily. I need to ask your forgiveness and wash this clean because you know what? We're filled in a world with advertisements, with all kinds of stuff that is constantly infiltrating our minds. When a man and a woman walk together in intimacy, the mind is a a very powerful tool. For when the mind is stimulated, there's a release of chemicals which stimulates pleasure. That is physical, and there's also something that happens spiritually. Mark 10.8 says, And the two of you will become one flesh, so they're no longer two, but they're one. See, something happens supernaturally in sex, that you and your partner become one. It's the epiphany of intimacy. When we're messing around with lust through pornography, what happens is we're bringing into, our mar- into the marriage bed something that is very unhealthy. We're bringing into the marriage bed soul ties. And all of a sudden, it's not about the two of you, but there's somebody else in that marriage that's attached. We are spiritual beings. And when we have a soul tie with somebody else, and we go and the two of us become one, then all of a sudden, that that other soul tie is still part of us until that's severed and broke off. Godly soul ties are formed when a couple are married. Ephesians 5.31 says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and the two of them shall become one flesh. And the godly soul tie between a husband and the wife that God intended him to have is unbreakable by man. Mark 10, 7, 9 says, However, when a person has godly, uh, ungodly sexual relations with another person, an ungodly soul tie is formed. 1 Corinthians 6.16, and don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one with her? For the scripture says, the two are united into one. This soul tie fragments the soul, and it is destructive. People who have many past relationships find it very difficult to be able to bond or be joined to anyone because their soul is so fragmented. Saints, If you know that you have a soul tie in your life and would like help breaking them, I've placed on the back table there a a, a little more instruction of what soul ties are and how to break them. See, soul ties happen as singles as well. We walk in that place and we're, we're promiscuous and it's like, you know what, you know, I don't know why the Bible says to wait for marriage. That's just not even smart. Like, don't you want to try it out a little bit before you, before you say I do? No. Because what happens is you pick up, the two of you become one, the two of you become one, the two of you become one, and then you're so fragmented. And in pornography, the exact same thing happens because you know what? We're not connected. Uh, we, we, uh, we, uh, we're connected when, when we become one, but when there's an act like masturbation that happens in front of a computer screen, it, it just, it just spiderwebs. In 2012, five of the top ten books sold on, animal, uh, on Amazon were erotic novels. 
And it's interesting to find, to, to, to do a little bit of research on that because I found out that their primary targets are not men but women. And I'm like, what is going on? Because there was a time when this was a man's issue, but it's not a man's issue anymore. You see, maybe these Fifty Shades of Grey and, and all these type of different novels, maybe they don't have the pictures. Maybe they don't have the, 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 the movie that you get to watch. But our mind is so powerful that when we read the Acts and we just get lost in this world of romance, then all of a sudden it starts to roll in our mind and it starts to lay out that foundation. And guys, let's call a spade a spade this morning. It's lust. And we start playing with lust. And we start to say, you know what, it's just a book. No, it's not. It's dangerous. And it is coming between you and your Creator. It's a sin that needs to be sat in that place where it's like, God, remove this from my life. And if you're married, it's something that is going to cause friction and, and, and a separation in your marriage. Our mind is very powerful. Joyce Myers became popular with her stellar book, Battlefield of the Mind. And if we can look at books that perhaps don't uh, I've already talked about this, but don't uh, have graphic pictures and justify it as an exciting story. We're demising the ro- role of our imagination. Why do you think God gave us imagination? Was it so we could fantasize about what life should be? Is it so we could read these books and have this story of what we wish our lives were like? See, the Bible says in James, every good and perfect gift comes from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So if every good and perfect gift is from God, then I believe that our imagination is a gift to bring glory to the Lord. Is that a fair statement? See, the dictionary defines the the word imagination as the creative power of the mind and its capacity to create and form mental images and new ideas by combining present and previous experiences. We are image beings. Every experience you produce in your mind, how your imagination interprets and understands your experiences will be a determining factor that molds your personality and frames your character. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. The Greek word for imagination is dianoia. This word refers to the ongoing thought process, the powers of meditation, imagination, and reflecting that are used to formulate your opinions and your thoughts. So in fact, if that is what dianoi means, that Greek word, we read in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven where that word is implemented. You know where it's implemented? It says the greatest commandment is to love your Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind that word mind in the greek is dianoa we are to love the lord with everything setting our minds apart for him see i truly look at our imagination as a modern day eden a place where we can visit with the lord in such a supernatural way a place that we can set apart for him where we can meet with the lord dream vision cast So if our minds are so important, then why wouldn't there be an attack to pervert what God says is His? 
The enemy wants people not to understand who their maker is. Uh, He wants us to feel isolated and alone. In fact, the Bible tells us how important our mind is. Romans, we read, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn how to, how, uh, learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Isn't that amazing? See, I, I, I brought it, I don't have any more, but you guys can pick it up on your own, that, that, that book um, from uh, Dr. Carol Ann Leaf, the, uh, the mind book. Who switched off my mind? Brain. As you read that book, it is amazing to, to as she brings in the scriptures and she sh- talks about the science of the mind as a brain specialist. And as you read that, you're just kind of like, man, God knows what he's doing. Like, when he says for us to renew our mind, I think we just sometimes flippantly think about it like, yeah, Lord, okay, I renew my mind. Cleanse it, Lord. But no, it's like, Lord, the importance and the, the balance of the mind blows me away. It's just, to this day, it's just kind of like, God, you are, so, you are so cool, God. The fact is, the Bible tells us how important our mind is. And we need to walk in that place to understand and fight for it. These escapes of fantasy are truly not as innocent as the world wants you to think. The Lord says in the Ten Commandments that we are not to have anything, any God above Him, for He requires our everything. And it all comes back down to sacrifice again, doesn't it? Lord, I choose You over anything in my life, God. Lord, I choose You to be first in my life. And the last one, above all, guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. I've spoken on the mind, and when we open up ourselves to lust, the ramifications that happen, but everything flows from the heart. The enemy would love you to make the smallest of compromises in your life. You know that private chat on Facebook? That texting with somebody that that nobody really needs to know. Because they really, really, that person on the other end of that, that text, on that other end of that chat room, they really understand you where your husband or your wife doesn't. My friends, that is a lie from the pit of hell. That is a compromise that is setting you up for an adulterous affair. I have witnessed adultery destroy couples. I have witnessed adultery kill families. It's not a game it's not about self-gratification because you know what? You're self, you're, you're, you, you have self-gratification for what? 30 minutes? Five minutes? And then all of a sudden it's like, you know what? I've just made the biggest, I've made the biggest mistake of my entire life. It's not worth it. Guard your heart. Lord, help us, God. To be able to get into that place where we say, God, I understand what you mean by the importance of my mind. Help me not to fill it with lust, God. Lord, break that root that is in my life, Father God, that is causing me to stumble, God. Lord, I surrender it to the cross. When we start to make the smallest of compromises, that is when we start to open up our hearts to the enemy. When I was a youth pastor... I would go through that yearly sex talk with the kids. And I'd often say this. And those, I believe, who are married will totally, totally understand it. When you 
make a line in the sand. And then all of a sudden you cross that line. It's almost impossible to be able to go back. And why I say almost is, you know what? I would even say it's impossible. Unless God supernaturally does something. This is my wife, Cindy. All of a sudden, Cindy and I, I just meet Cindy. I'm like, wow, what a, what a hot honey. And she looks at me and says, what a tall drink of water. <laughs> and we go out on a date. And we had a great meal. We had a great discussion and this kind of stuff. And as we're walking back to the car, I, I, I go like this, and, and she accepts my hand. On the next date, do you think that I know as a guy and as a girl that this is acceptable in our relationship? So all of a sudden, we just took a step over a line. And that line, like if I was to go before the next time and I was just to keep my hands in my pocket, she might be like, what are you doing? Because we know that this is acceptable. And then we go out again and we have a great time and we go back and I, I take her up to the door. I said, well, <laughs> good night. And... <laughs> And freely she kisses me, right? <laughs> I now know, and she now knows, that that's acceptable in our relationship. Is that a fair statement? So we just crossed another line. And the farther we go, and the more that we do, <laughs> I said it's P313, not rated R. The farther we go and the more that we do, that line gets crossed and that line gets moved and that line gets moved and that line gets moved. My friends, in our married lives, we have to bring the Word of God into our married lives because when we do something that is not right before the Lord, we start to dishonor one another and that line gets moved. When we do something, if you're single here, like I said to the sex talk with the kids, every time you go out on a date and you decide to go just another step further, that line gets moved. And you know what? As a Christian, man, I, I saw this in Bible college so many times with young guys and women who are just passionate for the Lord and then they fall in love and then before they know it, they're standing before the dean because she's pregnant. And it's kind of like, you know what, that line got moved and that line got moved and that line got moved and all of a sudden it's like, God, how do we do this, Lord? Because, Lord, I feel called to be a pastor, but, Lord, they're kicking me out of college. My friends, we need to walk with our head up. We need to be able to come together as one and say, God, we want what is right for our family. We want, for what is, we want what is right for our marriage. Those little compromises matter for each one of us have something at stake. For me, you know what's at stake? I love that picture. For 10 years... Cindy and I were unable to have kids. And then the Lord finally gave us the desires of our heart. And if I had another picture right now, I'd be able to go snap and take a picture of you guys. 
Because I love this church. And I love the people in this church. And as your pastor, if I decide to make compromises, I would throw this all away because of selfish decisions. But I'm not alone, guys. You may not lose your job where I would. You may not lose or, or impact community, which, you know what, if anything like that happened, you know it would be in the cold lake sun. You know that things would happen that it would be just kind of like, oh, what a great heyday to be able to bash the pastor, right? And, and another reason to show why Christianity, it would spiderweb. But don't think that it won't spiderweb in your life. Because your picture, whatever that may be, is worth it. It's them. They are totally worth it. Mark 8 says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? I don't care how appealing she, he is. I don't care how good that book is or how great that movie is. My friends, it's garbage in, garbage out. And we have to get to that place where we say, Lord, maybe even the movies that I watch, maybe they're not even, maybe they're not even movies like, like uh, pornography movies, but maybe there's stuff like American Pie and this kind of stuff, which is kind of, man, they're awesome movies. Like, oh, guys, you've got to see that. No, I don't. I need to renew my mind. I need to, I need to fill my, my imagination with the Lord and what He has for me. And in that garden, there is no room for compromise. Let's pray. Team, would you come? You know what? With, with such a sensitive topic this morning, I just ask you to everyone to bow their head and close their eyes. And I'm not going to call anybody up to the front because, again, my point is not to, to point you out or to, or to embarrass you. But I do want to stand with you in prayer. And if there's something in your life, and again, I just ask everybody in this room to close your eyes just to value and respect the person, the, the, the other people in this room. If there's somebody in this room right now who says, you know what, Pastor? I'm wrestling. I know I've made compromises. I know there's things in my life that I need to surrender to the Lord. And I want to just raise my hand and say, God, that's me this, this morning. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. We're not going to belabor this. Amen. All over this place. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Father, you see every single hand that is up in this room, Lord. You've seen everybody who put up their hand and said, God... There's a battle that's going on in my mind, God. Lord, there's something in my life that I'm absolutely wrestling with, I'm struggling with, and God, I need you to remove it, God. I don't want to make compromise in my life, God, but I want to stand as a man, as a woman, filled with integrity. So Lord, would you fill me now with your Spirit? God, would you sever those connections? God, would you break those things in my life that are not from you? Because God, I want to fill my life with nothing else 
but the glorious works of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I know the work that you did on the cross is sufficient for me. So Father God, we don't want to be a church that compromises, but we want to be a church, God, that walks in integrity. Would you reset that plumb line in our lives? Would you reset that and, and, and just make us new and fresh and clean? In Jesus' mighty name we ask it. Amen. We're going to just go into a little bit of time of worship. We're, we're late this morning. <laughs> but one thing that I didn't get to do is I forgot about it is uh, that amazing race video that, uh, that we were shooting is, is done. I told you guys I'd let you see it. I forgot to show it. So after we're kind of done, we're going to roll it in between the services. If you want to see it, you can. If not, it's all over Facebook and stuff. Be blessed. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Have a great week in Jesus' name. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.